We'll jump into the message here this morning. You can see the um, awesome shag carpet still on stage if you were with us last week. This is, um, this is sort of an image that we're using for the series that we're in right now. If uh, you're the first time at Encounter or first few times, um, again, just want to say welcome. Uh, we're in a series right now called Retro God Throwback Stuff, Throwback Ideas that God Still Cares About. Um, see, the, the series was sort of born out of um, this beautiful green shag carpet, if you can believe that. Um, the, the idea comes to us to say, like, we have this, like, picture when we see this green shag carpet that, um, that at one point somebody decided that this was a great piece to put in their home. I know that it's, it's hard to believe now, but at some point we, someone decided, like, this matches the decor of the house. It, like, fits in well. It adds something to the space. That time passed us about three decades ago. No, uh, but now, because it's here, it obviously doesn't, right? Somebody decided, maybe far too late, that it was time to pull that up and put something new down because it had its place one time, and now it simply doesn't. Now, the idea for this series comes out like so many times, so many of us look at God and we say, uh, a lot like this green shag carpet, the things he says had a place one time, and now they simply just don't anymore. Um, it's not like they weren't good at one point, but, but now the ideas are old-fashioned or out of date. Nobody really does that anymore. And so we just sort of like pull the carpet, pull the idea out of our relationship with God. These are ideas like, come on, in this day and age, does God honestly care like what I do with my own sexuality? In this day and age, does God honestly care about my own generosity and giving away what he's entrusted with me with, even up to a tenth of everything that I take in? I mean, isn't the idea outdated and old-fashioned? Last week, we took a look at apologizing, and we say, God seriously cares whether or not I swallow my own pride and go and tell someone, I'm sorry. I think he does. Because I think we have a very uh, retro God. This morning, uh, the idea facing us is, uh, is this idea, uh, well, let's see if you can guess it, wedding season uh, around, you know, the, all summer long. Maybe you've had a few that you've, uh, you've uh, enjoyed yourself this uh, summer. Uh, comes a point, I want to say, in about every third weddings, maybe uh, half of all weddings, maybe more, is uh, scripture passage, little Bible um, memory test coming at your way. This is your first time in church in a while. You're like, are you kidding me? That's why I don't. No, um, let's see if you can get it. First Corinthians 13, love is patient. Nice, you got it. Love is kind. Love is, it's read at like half of all weddings. Um, idea coming at us this morning is that patience. And just so we're all on the same page here, what we're talking about, uh, patience, is deciding for the first time in a year that what you want to do can't be done online or at the ATM. You're going to have to physically walk into the bank branch and talk to someone face-to-face. And when you do that, somehow there's a line that zigzags throughout the entire building. And you're going, like, how in the world is this possible? Who else goes into the bank? Just to give you an idea about, yeah, yeah, you don't have to put your hands up. But just to give you an idea about what we're talking about, there's a traffic, a lot of these could be traffic related, just so you know, like, I'm bringing in myself here, but uh, you want to turn right, you agree with the person in front of you turning right. They have their blinker on, the light is red. You're going, why in the world are you not turning? You know that you can, right? 
And I just want to point out that there's something inside of you that like when that happens, it starts to heat up. I mean, you get you get tense, right? It's like this physical kind of physiological reaction. You know, like palms get sweaty, your neck veins start to stick out a little bit more. Um, and you start to think about maybe some things that you like wouldn't have done before. Temperature rises. And then you get to the next stoplight. <laughs> And the person in, in front of you um, is just, you know, doing the cell phone, hair, makeup, whatever it is. And uh, the light turns uh, from red to green, and you're ready to go. Nothing happens. And there's, you know that the light, you, green is go, right? Like, I mean, we're all on the same page there. Should they have their car impounded and be extradited to Canada? Probably. And like this temperature rises until, unfortunately, you come close to hitting this, this boiling point where you want to blow up, unfortunately, not in, to the person in front of you, but maybe to the person behind or next to you or around you, right? Like the, the tensions start to rise. This is patience. We're going to take a look at some scripture passages uh, this morning because this idea is found just throughout the Bible. I'm talking hundreds of times. Only, this is a series called Retro God. So we're not just looking at patience, we're looking at the ancient word for patience. Um, we're going to look at it. first an English word, then a Greek word that was used uh, by the biblical authors. The English word used is long-suffering. Stretches back to the very first English translation of the Bible called the King James Version. It's written in the 1600s. It sounds like Shakespeare wrote it, it because that's the way people spoke in that time. And this time, when people would stand up in front of a wedding and read it, I don't know if they did that or not, but if they would, they would read 1 Corinthians 13 and they'd say something along the lines of, Love is long suffering. You can see why a word like long-suffering doesn't exactly exude the celebration that we think of in weddings. So we kind of replace it with patience. What I want to submit to you is that patience is this toned-down kind of word. And we want to reclaim some of this patient endurance, this this long-suffering. The difference between patience and long-suffering is slight, but, but you could say the temperature is a little hotter in long-suffering. Long-suffering, is, it's not just um, uh, having to walk into a bank and endure a line or endure somebody who doesn't know that the long, skinny one is go. But long-suffering means looking at a favorite part of town, just an area of the city that you just love. And you, and you get there as much as is physically possible. Just an area of the town, maybe it's because of the restaurants or, or because of the homes or the parks or just the people around there, but it's an area of a city that just warms your soul. And then, and then you start to see something funny happen. The buildings, the houses, the paint starts to chip, which isn't a big deal, but you just think it's, it's odd that nobody would paint over that. And then as time goes by a little bit further, the grass in the yard starts to get a little longer. And it's not a big deal. Quick fix, simple. But you just kind of like notice, that wasn't there 10 years ago. That wasn't there five years ago. 
And you can just kind of watch as the homes or, or the, the businesses start to change just slightly at first. And there's something in your heart that just says, I wonder what's happening. And then um, you hear rumors about uh, cars being broken into. And they're really broken into because they're like unlocked in the first place. Change taken out of cup holders. Not a big deal. But then a phone or a laptop goes missing. And you're like, it seems like that didn't happen in the past. A little while later, it's not a car that's getting broken into. The business, front window, smashed in. Cash register opened up. A home getting broken into. Now people are starting to talk about not going there anymore. People are talking about like other favorite areas and just moving, getting out. And friends, it's long-suffering more than just patience. It's this enduring kind of patience that says, you know what? I'm not the one who needs to leave. I'm staying because I love it here and it hurts my soul to see this go. Long-suffering is what keeps you staying. Love is long-suffering. Especially when the two people getting married that beautiful weekend day, uh, marrying into families that are so entirely opposite that it's comical watching the relationship uh, like grow and, and take form. Because her family is uh, outdoorsy and loves to hunt and fish and big trucks and off-roading. And it's, it's a lot of fun. But he's never changed his own oil. And that creates this friction between them. And you just want to break into that and say, you know what? Love isn't just patient with each other. Love is long-suffering. The word that, uh, that, that's used, the biblical word here, the word that we're going to dig into in a couple passages in Colossians in a minute is, uh, is macrothumia. Let me just say it with me. Macrothumia. It's important. It's two words smashed up against each other. Macro, big, large, huge, lengthy. Thumia, which means a passion or will or desire, but it's more intense than that. It's like this explosive kind of passion or desire or will. And so you put them together and you get this like long explosion is a literal kind of uh, understanding, but it, it's, like a, it's like a fire or a flame that sparks and you can just see it in frame by frame start to go out. It's this long, prolonged kind of, of explosion of the will or desire or passion. One author describing about it called it long-fusedness that I just love. It conjures to the, the mind this idea that, that before you act on those impulses, before you act on that will, you, you just have this really long fuse that stretches out before you hit that boiling point or that explosion when things are heating up. And so when it comes to being stuck at a green light or stuck in a line that zigzags all around the bank or when it comes to relating to an in-law who's just so different that you wish you would have brought your passport into their home so you can maybe get out at one point. When it comes to loving the part of the city, the restaurants, the parks, whatever it is, and just seeing it start to change it's this long-suffering, this long-fusedness that keeps you there. How do we get that? Like, where does that come from? 
on one hand, you want to all of a sudden say, like, let's not make it more complicated than it needs to be. Just try harder. You, you, you get stuck in a traffic jam, red light, bank, whatever. You, just double your efforts and, and work at it more. How's that working out? <laughs> I heard a, a, a study, some researchers by the University of wherever, uh, talk about, um, <laughs> sorry, work cited, it's a little light, but that um, willpower is like this finite commodity that we have. I mean, these guys are cruel. They set up people who are trying to lose weight on a diet in this room, and they just watch them, okay, get a baseline, and then they put a candy dish out. <laughs> Sadist. Uh, and they, they watch how long it takes for the people to, to dip into that candy jar, knowing that they're trying to diet, which is why they're in the room in the first place. And what the researchers find is that it's just a matter of time before, um, before people end up starting to pick out the M&Ms. It's not so much just a matter of time. What they found is that it's actually just a matter of number of times that they physically pass, see, smell, or hear the candy dish. What they've concluded is that we all have this kind of finite amount of willpower. And the more times we see something that we desire or something that we, we want not to desire, it wears us down until eventually we hit the boiling point. Or eat the candy dish. <laughs> so I just want to say, friends, in, in case you've been trying this over and over and over, I want to offer you this, that maybe there's an element of this patience, this long-suffering, this long-fusedness, that it's just, just work harder next time. But I want to offer something to say. Maybe it's more than that. I'm going to go to a couple passages um, in the New Testament where this is used. Uh, We're going to go to the, the, the letter that Paul wrote to the Colossians. Before we do, um, Colossae is a real city, real people, real place. If you look at it on a map, you see the, the country of Turkey. You see Colossae in the smack middle of the country, a little bit west, surrounded by land. What we dig into archaeological evidence of the city of Colossae that Paul, this pastor, is writing to the city is that there was a road that went from north, south, east, west, like all the way through, and it passed through Colossae making this uh, two-horse town, two-camel town, into this huge trade center metropolis, people that everybody flocked to, everybody gathered, because everyone had to move through this city. It was beautiful for the city planners. Just imagine what this looks like today. We see, um, we see homes going up. We see interesting restaurants go in. We see flourishing coffee shops and art scenes. It's just this, this really cool city that people wanted to be a part of. And then technology changed. Uh, boating, seafaring technology it took a jump. People were, realized that it's cheaper, safer, faster to take water than land. They no longer have to travel over land. They go around. Colossae is nowhere close to water. What does this do to the town? neighborhoods, nice homes, cool restaurants, coffee shops, art scenes, it all starts to dry up. I just want to offer this and say, friends, if we think that the Colossians are not dealing with, with issues pressing on their long-suffering, pressing on their patience, we're mistaken. 
we would see if we examine the letter closely that not only is this a citywide problem, it's a church-specific problem. These guys are fractured and fragmented, and they're hitting their boiling points with each other, and they're, they're ready to like call it quits on each other. This church is planning and is looking at breaking up once and for all. I don't want anything to do with you any, anymore. Paul says, Colossians 1, back of the flow sheet, Chapter 1, 9 verses in, he says, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, hundreds of miles away, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit lives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing good fruit in every, bearing fruit in every good work, Growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. So that you may have great endurance and macrothumia, long-suffering, patient endurance, this long-fusedness. Paul is hundreds of miles away and he's hearing about this church that he loves and the people and the names and the city and it's falling apart and fracturing and they're angry and hundreds of miles away and the first thing he does is just say, I'm praying that God gives you a fuse that stretches around the block. I just want to simply point out when it feels like this boiling point is right around the corner. And maybe, maybe being stuck at a green light it not the first thing that happened that day, or the second or third. It's the last thing. And the temperature is so hot that you just want to blow up at, at your like, friends, your kids, your boyfriend, your husband, whatever, whoever is in the car. And you're just like, I've had enough. And they remember Paul's words to say he prayed. First thing that he does is just ask God, give me a fuse. Give me the patience. Just want to offer maybe in addition to it being a part of the will, it's a gift from God. Patient endurance, long-suffering. We have to also acknowledge that sometimes, sometimes God lays his gifts out very neatly and very easily. And sometimes he lays his gifts out in a way that makes them very, very difficult to put on. Sometimes a part of the gift-giving process is also a first-hand learning experience. Back to love is being long-suffering. Because they're going to need it. Because they're getting married right now, and they love each other, and they love God, and it looks great. And one of the things that they're most excited about is, is looking at the bank account, merging, and going, we're going from one income, me, to two incomes, both of us, and no kids. Made in the shade. Problem, though, they've got two incomes and two homes. Maybe three. And they're so fired up about having two homes, maybe three homes, moving in together and going from one income to two income. Only the lifestyle doesn't double because their square footage of home that they don't even want anymore doubles or triples. And they're praying, God, give me patience. 
Give me this fuse to endure months and months on the market. And maybe that's how God is stretching out the fuse. Maybe this is how God is teaching them the the patience for something that may come later. I think we see in Colossians, Paul asks for patience, and we have to just be wary about what we ask for, because God just, he might just give it, and not in a way that we'll so much appreciate. You have an option. The couple has an option. Uh, Two homes, two mortgages, maybe more. The fuse starting to grow a little short. The boiling point... (laughs) with each other, right around the corner. The gift being laid out, you ask for patience, I'm showing you patience. This is, this is where you learn it, right here. Do we learn it? Paul says, a little later on, in Colossians chapter 3, as he's digging into the, the arguments that they're, they're fighting over in the boiling points, he goes, verse 12 Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dear love, circle it, clothe yourselves. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and macrothumia, patience. Bear with one each other, forgive one another, if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues, put on love which binds them together in perfect human uh, unity. It's subtle, but uh, same idea, the same words there. He goes, first of all, clothe yourselves. First of all, God, you ask for patience, and God lays it out for you like like a toddler and, and says, here you go, here is patience. And then Paul, later on in his same letter, says, now put it on. He says, clothe yourselves, and then a little later down, he goes, put on. Uh, is there somewhere? Forgive the Lord gave you. And all those, over all these virtues, put on love. Easier said than done, right? Confession time. I go to my closet. There may be patients laying out on the bed for me. I'll go out of my way, go into the closet, see what else is there. I go into the closet, see, uh, we got anger right here on the shelf. I'm going to put that on. Seriously, like this is what I get? It's 10% below market price. Still hasn't sold. The fuse shorts, the the boiling point is hit, and I'm blowing up on the people around me. Like what? What do I have to do around here? Maybe you don't go to the closet and put on anger. Maybe go to the closet and put on envy. Joe's house sold above what would be a fair price. I think he ripped the guy off. Like, why can't I be like him? What do I have to do? Maybe you don't go to the closet, put on anger, put on envy. Maybe there's like this this exterior armor that that you wear. Or else you're like, it's not going to bother me. Yeah, I don't even care anymore. I don't even care if the house doesn't sell, if the market never requires. I don't even care about what she says or he says. I don't even, I don't even care about what's in the bank account. I, I don't care about anything. Nothing's getting through. Not the bad and not the good either. 
I just want to offer to say, I think Paul is saying, ask for patience. When God offers it, you also have to put it on. And you might have to take something else off first. Where does patience come from? I think it comes from God. I think it comes from God laying it out for us to put on. There's this passage that I read at the, the first word, Exodus 34. It's actually a, a passage that, like, uh, short sentences that um, is repeated over and over and over, dozens of times uh, throughout the Bible. And just to remind you of some of this, um, God passes in front of Moses and he's saying, the Lord, I, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love. There's this tension throughout the Bible that, that makes us feel uncomfortable, even from the get-go of opening it up, when we can see that, that God, he's not only uh, merciful, but he's also just. And like there's things that we do that, that offend him. There's things that other people do that offend him. If I want to continue on this passage, say, not only is God slow to anger, abounding in love, this is the one that makes us, um, that makes us worry. Next sentence, yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished which works well until we realize we're the guilty ones. We're going to the closet and putting on anger, putting on envy, putting on this, this shell, this armor. And we can see that there's this tension throughout this scripture of, of God saying, you know, I, I'm, I'm not going to let that deed go unpunished. Something is going to happen. And we get this this story over all of time that starts in Genesis, ends in Revelation, in the, like later. And we see this whole thing happen. And the, the, God's heart is so invested in this. And he's going, I'm not going to let what happened go. There will be a time when that will be paid for. Trust me. And we can, like the, the temperature starts to rise, Right? And the, the God, we, we just worry, we ask for the, the patience, this macrothumia to last a little longer so that it doesn't just like burst out on all of us. But friends, it will burst. And it has burst. Balancing out the anger, the, the evil will be punished. He says, if this is the only way, I'll give my son. And it turns down the heat. I think knowing this, I think knowing that this anger of God, that's the, the evil will be punished, and it taking it out on his son once and for all, for all of us. Knowing it, believing it, more yet experiencing this. It changes what happens to me at this traffic light. It changes my reaction at the bank. Experiencing this fuse of God, this patient endurance with us over the long run. It just changes everything. I want you to stand up. Let's pray together.
I haven't God, like Paul did for the Colossians. Give us patience this week. You know what those, those things are that are going to set us off. God, they don't have to. Give us a patience, your patience, to endure them, to learn from them, to even grow from them. God, thank you for your patience. In your name we pray. Amen.